Today's episode is brought to you by Bonsai N, Australia's premium bonsai store. Shop online with Australia-wide shipping and a wide range of payment options, including Afterpay, which allows you to buy now and pay later. Visit www.bonsai-en.com.au. That's www.bonsai-en.com.au for more info. Modern Bonsai listeners, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today we did something a little bit different. We had a guest on from overseas and we tried to do a long distance podcast. I think it turned out well. Um, Please excuse the little bit of loss of quality on this one, but it's well worth it because today I spoke with Jason Chan from Eastern Leaf. You may have seen him on YouTube. He's got some really good advice, and we just spoke a little bit about the business behind Bonsai. So sit back and enjoy this podcast. This is the first time that we've actually done a podcast uh, like this overseas. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so it's uh, something very different for us, but if we can... If we can make this work, then it opens up many doors because then we don't have to travel to, you know, keep talking to artists and, you know, spreading the word about bonsai and everything like that. Right, right. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so what, it's about 8 a.m. there, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 8 a.m. right now, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, 1 a.m. here in Australia. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's a good thing we didn't do this later. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I was trying to work out, like, the time differences and things. It's always really hard with America because it's kind of a day behind, and, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I might have been able to do it maybe one hour earlier. Um <laughs> Oh, no, that, does, that doesn't bother me. Um, I think you probably know what it's like when you, you know, when you own a bonsai business, you work around the clock, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. That's been true for us. We, um, <clears throat> we, we do a lot of trees here, a lot of gift trees, and keeping up with that workload is ridiculous. You know, you're doing you know, 25 to 30 trees a week just just styling and potting and then on top of that you're sending out hundreds of orders in the in the in the post and yeah, that's awesome yeah and do, doing emails and when did you start the bonsai n only started this year mm-hmm. so it was one of those things where because before i had bonsai and i actually had a um a computer business oh, that okay. was yeah, that was one of my first passions, um, you know, building and repairing computers. And I had a company that did custom systems. So um, we used to build computers for, like, architects and music studios and things like that, real specialty. Yeah. Oh, some really but, high-end uh, computers then. Yeah, but the problem was that the market was just – it's too big. Uh-huh. And it's – yeah, it's just one of those things where it was too much work for very little return. Oh. So I kind of <clears throat> traded that business in, and when I was sitting sitting out the back working on my trees, trying to think, you know, what am I going to do now, and what's the <laughs> next step, and just staring at the bonsai, and, you know, I realized that I myself have trouble trying to get, uh, like, tools and just all the stuff that you need for bonsai here in Australia and I seen a, a a need for it and I think a lot of um you know we just had Ryan Neal here in Australia and I I was I was sitting down having a chat with him about um the fact that I think that there's very little in the way of bonsai media uh, like podcasts and YouTube channels and things like online stores because before maybe the last five to ten years, bonsai was generally an older person's hobby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that change as well. Yeah, so so the people that were into it 
were they didn't have technology on their side to do the online stores or do podcasting or YouTube or things like that. So as it started to move forward as a younger generation hobby, all this stuff starting to, you know, show its head. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely changing. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, that that's what Bonsai N kind of was a step forward for Australia. And I think from this point on, we'll probably see more stuff like this pop up. So, um, what about what about Eastern Leaf? When was that started, and what was the the story behind that? Uh, we started uh, started this with my wife um, in two thousand four, um, October two thousand four. We actually started in San Diego, and um, uh, we st- we first started in a farmers market. So yeah. we we're going to farmers markets in San Diego, and um, we actually just sold Lucky Bamboo only. Um, so we were just selling that. And then my wife bought me, well, she was my um, fiance at the time, but uh, my wife, <clears throat> she bought me one Chinese zone bonsai. And then it just kind of took off from there. I was like, wow, this thing is really cool. And then I was like, started getting into it, learning more about it. And then uh, I added that to our, you know, I created a store. Um, eventually I created an online store and then that started doing really well. So I was like, what happens if I, you know, let's sell some bonsai. And see what happens and you know we start immediately saw interest in it and then i started learning more and i got involved in um, a lot of organizations and then i started learning from an artist locally over here and so it's just started started to take off and then of course uh with bonsai it's kind of like once you kind of get bit by that bug uh, i'm sure it happened to you it just kind of takes you down that that course you know yeah, your backyard starts to fill up real quick. <laughs> yeah, start, so we started, you know, with I think I started with one Chinese elm, and I think I have about, I think I have about, let's see, maybe about six thousand of them right now in, in my yard. <laughs> oh man, so that's crazy. We, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of trees that started with just that one type of tree, um, so it, you know, it it kind of becomes something something else. But I think, you know, when I got involved in the organization, that's when I started really to learn the art. Um, so I know you guys have a lot of bonsai clubs um, in Australia, right? Yeah, we've got them pretty much everywhere. We actually have like a regulated, like an overseer of clubs. Oh, okay. so, so there's actually like a regulation committee, I guess you could call it, and then there's all the clubs underneath that. And... Yeah. And then they can actually hire out, um, like, people to come and do demonstrations through that organization. So it's really good in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So over here we have the equivalent. Um, it's called the Golden State Bonsai Federation. And then um, I joined that. Let's see. I joined that maybe about three. No, I joined that maybe like four years ago. Um, and then I became, uh, they made me editor of their magazine for about two and a half years. But, yeah, about two and a half years. And then um, I, I stopped that now. Um, but I think the the organization, you know, it has all the clubs under it. It's a really good um, resource for people interested in learning about bonsai. You know, you can get, um, if you go to the local clubs, um, you can get, you know, learn about, you know, can, you can have people or watch people do demonstrations on a whole bunch of trees. And they hold a convention every year as well. So I think like when I got involved um, more, that's when when everything started changing a little bit for the business. Um, yeah, and for me personally, I started uh, doing a lot more of the artistic side. Yeah, and when when you start a business too, it's it's funny because I when I was in the computer business, I went and got some advice off a friend of mine who's had businesses for years, and one thing that they said to me was you really don't know how to do business until you're in business. And what and what, what they meant by that was you might start a business thinking that you're going to do one thing, but as you start doing business, other avenues start to become available and the business might go in a completely different direction to what you thought it would. Yeah, I think, I think that's very accurate. And I think that's the most, that's the most interesting thing about having a business is that um, you have no idea where it's going to turn and if you adapt to it, then you'll do, you know, you'll do all right. Um, but I think that's probably the most fun thing. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a great opportunity with bonsai because I find that, 
you know, maybe I'll have a customer now and then that'll say, oh, do you have this or this type of plant? And I'll be like, no, I don't, but let me find out everything about that and I'll get back to you. <laughs> and then you go and yeah, research. exactly how it goes. You go and research this one plant and you learn everything about it and then your knowledge, right. you know, t- takes another level because you've got that push and you've got that drive. You've got people behind you pushing you. Yeah, yeah. That's actually how... Uh, when we were selling Lucky Bamboo originally, um, I think um, we we were at the farmer's market and then somebody asked if um, I had a website. So I was like, well, no, I don't. Not right now. So I did the research. I had some background before. Um, you know, I worked for uh, I worked for Universal for a few years um, and I worked on their, they had an internet division that I worked for. So I had some, I had some understanding of websites and, and e-commerce stores already. But it was kind of like that, you know, the customer was kind of pushing you. It's like, oh, uh, do you have a website? And it's like, uh, not right now, but I can make one. And so uh, sort of how the story of that went was that I used, <clears throat> so I had some knowledge already. I think I created a store in in one night. Um, I think I started around, I don't know, somewhere around 6 p.m. Um, and I think it was a Yahoo store at that time. I finished it around 2 a.m. And we got an order at 5 a.m. So oh, wow. <laughs> that was that was interesting. I mean, we're talking about in its infancy. This is about 2000. You know, we didn't have the store until 2005, uh, one year after we started. So it was basically I went to sleep. I woke up with an order and I was like, this is just that was unexpected. Um, and I was like, oh, OK, maybe we need to continue with this. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you find all the challenges <laughs> that, that come along with it, because, man, when I started Bonsai N. I did, I did my first order, and I think I had like two sets of scissors, two, two like branch cutters, two knob cutters. I had like six pots or something, and that was my shop's entire stock. That's awesome. And and, and at the time, like ordering it, I was like, oh man, I feel so bad because you know this is not <laughs> a lot of stock, and I felt bad for the supplier and. But it was the same thing. I just, yeah. I had launched the online store and, you know, did everything I could to make it look nice and easy to use and really put a lot of effort into that. And then same thing, within two days, all that stock was gone. Yeah. And I was That's like, great. oh, wow. So, you know, it was a it was a $500 investment. I'd spent yeah. $500 on stock and then suddenly... I had a thousand dollars, and then I bought <laughs> I bought a thousand dollars worth of stock, and that sold. And within a month, I had um, I'd done close to a hundred orders. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, in the first month. But yeah, in the first uh, you said one month of that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just it was like a freight train. It just rolled, and then you know, next minute I'm sitting in my shop, and there's like twenty thousand dollars worth of stock, and. <laughs> And I was like, wow, this just kind of exploded. And and then it was funny because at first I didn't post trees because I was like a little bit sketchy of yeah. how the postage would work. And I wanted to make sure that the tree wasn't going to get damaged in transit because it's not just like something else that can be replaced that's mass, you know, producted. Yeah. It's got mass production. But – um yeah, so that was another one of those challenges where I had to sit down and really work out the best way to actually tie the tree into the into the box and yeah. create, you know, um pillars for the boxes so that they couldn't actually be crushed. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, it's yeah. um yeah, it's pretty I mean it's exactly the same. I think we started um my first you know, nursery <laughs> was my uh, apartment balcony with my wife or my fiance at the time. So it was an apartment balcony. Uh, I think it was maybe like 10 feet by 15 feet big. And that's where we had our inventory. You know, it was just a few trees. And it's it's funny, once you get more trees, then, you, you know, you need to get it. Then you need to get a yard, then you got to move. And then eventually we got a nursery space. Um, you know, we got an, an acre of space. And now that's filled with trees. So it's it it all the story is all starts the same. And that's what's so cool. 
is that all these businesses, it always kind of starts exactly the same, you know, with just say two branch cutters or two shears. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then you just, you adapt, right? People are like, oh, okay, I want more trees. And you're like, well, I don't have the space. Um, so then you got to figure something out. And then, and then your business grows. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't, we're continually here putting up benches, like new benches. It's funny because we'll put up a new bench and then you turn around and it's full of trees. <laughs> it's, it's like, still. man, it's like I just put that bench up yesterday. <laughs> and then you're like, I got to build another bench. <laughs> and then it's filled. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny because at the moment, um, the people who know me personally, like um, my partner here, um, she's actually got a photography business. So we're kind of as busy as each other. Yeah. Um, but like my parents and some close friends and that, they, they know how, how many hours actually go into this because the, the hours of the day that I put into this business, it's just, it's crazy at the moment. Um, because, you know, I'm still trying to build to a point where I can't have a lot of employees Mm -hmm. because the more people you have working for you, the you're kind of taking away from the business a little bit because you could be using that money to, you know, broaden your stock range or, you know, create more trees, buy more trees, things yeah. like that. So that's what we're kind of doing here at the moment. Um, I want to, in the next month, I want to try and raise our number of trees by another 100 and then try and try and do another hundred every month. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, it is a challenge, and I, I hear you. You know, when you when you're first starting, it is. I mean, I mean, you've been doing it for a while, but when you were first starting, um, man, you are just grinding. You're just grinding every day, all day, um, and. It pays off, but sometimes I tell my wife that I, I feel like I already went over my quota on hours, um, and it's like it, and your body starts to get a little bit tired. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it's like you have to make the benches, you got to make the. I mean, at the, when we got that space, I had to put up everything, so I had to assemble everything, all the shade cloth, all the benches, all the. I had to grade the land, and those are kind of things that that you kind of have to do it, you know, yourself first. And definitely, it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, well, I did the same thing. Our, our, land, <laughs> our land that we have here was on like a massive slope. Oh, man. So you had to like flatten certain sections. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I spent several hours just with a shovel shoveling sand <laughs> and yeah, leveling, leveling the land out at one end and yeah. just trying to, to get it flat. And then having to come in and try and put down grass <laughs> and like get the grass to grow nice and green. And, and yeah, that's the funny thing because as you mentioned, there's, there's so much more that goes into it, like building benches and, you know, leveling land and people, you know, when people find out that you've got a bonsai business, they're like, Oh, that must be the best thing in the world. You get to Dude, do bonsai all day. <laughs> And it's like, I get to do bonsai for five minutes. What I'm doing for the rest of the day is, you know, <laughs> answering emails and packing parcels and, yeah, well, you know, all, all the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. Though. I think after, see, after we were in an apartment, we, we rented a house and I was working out of the garage. Um, my wife, it was just my wife and I at that time. Um, and we were sitting across from each other in like the, the second floor. It was like a little townhome. And our garage, the little garage, the two car garage was just packed full of stuff. And we had the FedEx guy um, just stop by every day, and our neighbors were upset. <laughs> <laughs> and that lasted. I think that we were there for a year, um, but that that was fun. You know, looking back at it, that, that was a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. There's a lot of excitement to it as well. You know, I, I remember the first time that I actually ran out of room on my shelves. And I, was, I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I just remembered back when I started and I had a lot of shelves and no stock. <laughs> and then suddenly and then I'm like, up. I need more yeah. shelves. 
Yeah, it's good to take pictures once in a while. Um, yeah, my wife has some pictures of when we first moved into our our current warehouse, and I was like, I was like, what? I think we had a total of four pallets of inventory. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting in there. And we look at that picture sometimes. It's like, whoa, okay, that's different now. Yeah, and I think, I think it's kind of the the perfect time as well because the way that bonsai is on the rise at the moment, you've kind of, you know, like you said, where you made your website and you finished it at two a.m. and you had an order by five a.m. I think that is due to how bonsai is rising and the the popularity in it at the moment. Um, yeah, it really well, pushes that. It's really nice to see, you know, what you're, it's true. It used to be kind of an, an old, you know, an old, you know, it's kind of, I guess, characterized kind of older hobby, you know, usually you'd see pictures of just, um, well, like in the Karate Kid, it was Mr. Miyagi that was kind of doing it. And I think it's changed a lot. Um, now you see a lot of, you know, you see a lot of younger people doing it. And I've definitely, you know, on the YouTube videos, I definitely see a lot of people that are commenting that are, that, you know, are very interesting. There, some of them are in like, high school some of them are in elementary school or at least the people that come into our store though some of them are in elementary school so it's it's pretty cool to see that it's kind of gaining uh, more popularity every year i mean it, it definitely is and i have the credit of that too uh, like you were talking about the media uh, youtube you know there's some like podcasts like this um it's just information is so much more accessible yeah and every, every, i know i noticed that the workshops that i go to the the kids that are going and just getting younger and younger and the the drive that they got for it they're not just there because they had to go they're there because they want to be there yeah usually they're dragging their parents along i have people coming in and their parents are being dragged along um it's the it's the kids that want to come and they they yeah. go crazy they see all the trees it's and they get really excited and the parents are i have no idea what's going on <laughs> it's fantastic to see though and <laughs> You know, like I spoke with Ryan about, um, I said to him, because a few years ago it was seen that bonsai wasn't really something that you could make a living from or make a career from. And that is starting to change around the world, Um, especially here in Australia. We've got businesses that are popping up that are doing things like... um, curating or just purely demonstrators or people that are just looking after people's collections. Yeah. Like their private collections. And, um, but I said to Ryan in Japan, it's, it's a much bigger, it's got a much bigger monetary value, but I think that's mostly because of the Coca for 10, um, you know, because a lot of the, yeah, and not only that, a lot of the gardens over there make a lot of their money from the businessmen who want to buy a tree and have it looked after just to put it in that exhibition. And Yeah, there's have... a big tie-in with businesses over there. It's a full-blown industry over there. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what I'm saying. You see that trend starting to happen as well here. I mean, in Australia as well. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's getting more and more and more of a... I I wouldn't say there's more and more of a business aspect to it, but there is a way to make a living from it if that's something that you want to do. And I think that's driving people a little bit more. Yeah. Because if it wasn't, I know me personally, I don't know how other people do it, but if it wasn't personally for my business, I wouldn't be able to look after the amount of trees that I do in my own personal collection. Yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, It's really hard to, um, yeah, if you don't have that many trees, it's hard to have like another job sometimes and do that. I've seen people do it. I mean, some of these artists, they're fantastic. They have amazing collections, but I'm like, wow, you come back, you know, you work in the morning and then you go to work and then you come back uh, right after work and go straight to your trees. I'm like, that's that's incredible. Um, it's a, a, a ridiculous amount of dedication. Um, but when you're a business, it's like, okay, I can kind of kind of do this, you know, as part of the time, of, you know, as I'm working. But, yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, I've, I've actually got a friend who's got a bonsai business as well, and he's got the best model. <laughs> anytime, anytime he wants one of his trees worked on, he holds a demonstration day, <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets his workers to do the demonstration on his tree, and then by the end of the day, it's all worked on and pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that motivates you to do the tree, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so good. He's got a team there just wiring his trees for him, and he's sitting back watching like, yeah, no, that looks good. That's cool. <laughs> so it, do you, with your business, is there? Um, do you do a lot of demonstrating over there? Um, I do demonstrations. I think I usually do. I just had one last month, um, and, so, and then before that, it was about every two months, and then I, I teach classes as well. Uh, the demonstrations are fun because I'll go to around to local clubs, um, and just, uh, I'll bring a tree and then I'll, you know, I'll do, you know, they'll end up raffling it. I'll donate it to the club. Um, so I do that as just, it's more of when I do that, it's more of just to help people understand bonsai a little bit. Um, just to, you know, it's more of like an educational tool. Um, you know, online, I also have the YouTube channels and all that. I have my YouTube channel, but yeah, the demonstrations are, th- th- those, those are fun. I do enjoy doing those. And somebody always gets a nice tree afterwards, too. At least a yeah. good material, at least. <laughs> if yeah, they like my it. work. <laughs> <laughs> so do you when, you, when you do your demonstrations, is it just local, or do you travel you know, um, around from state to state? I got, I got invited to do Seattle. Um, I did go up there, but I wasn't. I was with my family at that time, so I was like, yeah, it's a little bit tough to do it. Um, but so far, it's mostly local. Um, Southern California has a ton of clubs. I don't even think I've hit all of them yet. Um, but there's, there's a lot of clubs. I'm probably going to travel, um, more, uh, probably in the next year. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Cause I noticed that on your YouTube, you do, um, visit a lot of gardens Are a lot of those around Southern California or are they, there's a lot in Southern California. Um, you know, San Diego, um, or just in LA, there's like, there's like two, there's still some I haven't even gone to, um, in terms of bonsai, you know, it's, there's not like that many. Um, I was actually surprised that San Diego Safari Park had one, um, but that has a huge history. But so, and then I went up to Seattle and then I'll probably start going to other States, um, to look at their gardens, but I don't think there's there, there's that many more like public gardens in Southern California. Um, but there's a lot of people with uh, artists with private collections and, um, I've been invited to see some of those. So I'll probably, you'll probably see, start seeing some of those in the, the videos. Yeah, that's cool. Because I was going to ask you, um, cause one thing that's really interested me is the fact that in Japan, from the top of Japan to the bottom of Japan, the culture is really much the same, huh. but in America, it seems, I mean, I've never actually been there myself, but it seems to me as an outsider looking in that from almost from state to state, but it's probably in bigger chunks, more like California, and then you move over to Vegas, and then you move out, out to like the Midwest and stuff like that. But as you start to move across the states, the culture changes quite a lot. So in from what I can tell, if you were in, say, Los Angeles, it's a very busy, you know, noisy environment with a lot happening. But if you were to go to, like, the Midwest, out to, like, Oklahoma City or stuff like that, it's probably a lot less quieter but a lot more rowdy. And <laughs> do, do you think... No, it's true. There's, there's definitely... Uh... The culture is not the same. I, that's one thing I have to, to say is since I've, I've you know been up and down uh, because I haven't gone to the the uh, um, the east yet to see how their clubs are. But just judging from or at least looking at their conventions, the culture is different. Um, it's not necessarily bad. Um, I think it's it's kind of good because there's different artistic styles um, that go with it. Um, so depending on the region you're in, um, bonsai is a little bit different. And I think a lot of that too sometimes has to do with the material um, that you have available, yeah. And then like the influence of the local artists. Um, so it it definitely has a different feel everywhere you go. And I think it's kind of neat. Um, the trees yeah. I saw up in Seattle, um, one person I visited, uh, his trees were were very natural looking. 
and and very cool. Um, but they they had a complete different feel from uh, say something in Northern California. Um, so that that was interesting. Yeah, that was perfect because you just answered my question absolutely <laughs> perfect. And because um, yeah, I was going to ask: Do you find that the style changes with those culture differences, and do you find that the style changes with the material that they have available? So, yeah, I guess that kind of answered that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went when I went up to Seattle. I was like, "Wow, your material is awesome!" But then they're like, "I can't have junipers," and I was like, "I love junipers," so I'm kind of happy where I am. But um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely different. Because the other thing that's probably that probably changes material across the states is probably the weather as well. Because, um, I mean, I don't know, but if you were to do bonsai out in Las Vegas, I would imagine that you would need very hardy trees that can stand a lot of heat, a lot of dry heat. It's true. You gotta go with some of those more desert friendly um, species, versus like up in up in the the. Pacific Northwest is just so just so damp over there. Um, you can, the trees grow like crazy, uh, but the trees that like it a little drier just can't handle it. Yeah, because something else that's made me wonder, I've been thinking about it a lot, I know that there's parts in the world, like in Scandinavia, um, I don't know where exactly they are, but I'm pretty sure there's a good chunk of the year where they have nothing but daylight. And oh. <laughs> and then there's another chunk of the year where they have nothing but moonlight. Oh wow! It just I can't remember where it was. I did Google it um, a few months ago, but it, it is true. There's somewhere in the world I can't remember where exactly it is now. But I thought they I can't imagine that they'd be able to do bonsai at all because for that you know time period where they're not having any sun. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the trees would go that dormant <laughs> when they just get no sun at all. Unless there's some tree species out there that kind of is perfect for it, which I'm sure there's got to be something. <laughs> well, I mean, there's trees standing up in their, you know, natural environment. So yeah. you, would, you would have to wonder how are they surviving and how would they do as bonsai, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So everywhere you go, you get something different. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so when when you're working there on a day-to-day basis, what would you say is one of your biggest challenges in having a nursery of the size that you've got? Um, the biggest challenge, and I think that's funny because I just read this industry re- report, and it was um, kind of giving general trends on garden centers in general. And um, one of them was it has a staffing. Staffing is always the hardest. Um it's uh you always have a lot of work and it's always sometimes it's always difficult to find the right person um but that's probably the hardest you know but once you have a good team it makes everything better no, that's probably the, it's it's kind of funny because you're like oh this is bonsai business what's your greatest challenge you think it have something to do with the trees right but it's not <laughs> yeah. it has to do with just the joint the the more boring part of business um which is just kind of running it that's probably the most challenging thing the trees themselves um that's actually the fun part so you know we have um we we grow a lot of trees and once you have a production cycle on those uh you're just following the production cycle um like pest diseases all that stuff that's not too hard to manage um at least those are somewhat predictable and there's ways to combat it so that's not really a big um you know that's not that's not too difficult um but I'd probably say it has to do with just managing the business in general, um, just working with a lot of people. Um, that's not really a glamorous answer, but that's probably the most truthful one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I get that because if, <laughs> if, if I was to say one of our biggest challenges, you know, if it was to do with the trees, I would say it's trying to keep up with demand while also creating high-quality trees. Yeah. Because bonsai is not one of those things that you can really rush. Yeah. You know, we can't just say, well, you know, we've got 100 orders this week. We need to pump out 100 trees. Go, 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 go. And it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah, there's the production. But, you know, we have it We have it set. So once that's kind of going, um, even though some of these are on production for about two to three years, as long as you've got it going, um, it's a little more smooth. And then in terms of, like, say, your packaging and everything, uh, we have our process down for it. So once you kind of have that process down, 
it goes pretty smooth. You know, once Christmas rolls around, though, everything is everything's out the door. It's just a mad rush. Um, but those things kind of are predictable, and you can control them. Um, and then, but but the the thing you can't control though is like, um, it's it's just the team. Every you know, life happens, so you never know what's going to happen with everybody. So you just kind of you got that's that's the hardest part, I'd say. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, totally I, I know, but it's uh, it's I, fun. Then once you work with a group of people and you guys are all working toward the same goal, it's definitely a, it, it definitely builds the team. Well, it is it is even kind of fun because we've had days here where we've just been that flat out trying to pack orders and stuff, and we're like running into each other, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're running with like big boxes and stuff, and like you, you know like running into each other. It's like, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And there's like like shipping labels everywhere, and like, oh my god, who's this invoice for? Where's this person's box? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it still gets like that. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, you just sit down and laugh about it, and it's like, well, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we ordered we ordered lunch yesterday, and so you you, you know the, the cool thing is when you when you have a good team, you can kind of sit down and and you guys just talk about other stuff other than you know than work and it, it's it's a good time <laughs> yeah no that's it 100 percent. yeah <clears throat> but um i think you know as you said it's the answer is really not as glamorous as it seems because one of the one of the biggest challenges we face here in australia is the actual stock like things like wire and tools and that because we're so far out of the reaches here in Australia. Oh, and so securing it is difficult, right? Yeah, and not only that, it's things like the exchange rate at the moment. Our dollar is absolutely terrible. We're, compared to America, we're at like 68 cents at the moment. Yeah. So I've kind of got an app on my phone where I watch the, the prices fluctuate and I kind of... I try to put an order together and I put the total amount of the order in this app and then it tells yeah. me how much it's going to cost me on a day-to-day basis and oh, the, gosh. <laughs> the amount changes every day. So yeah. So if I put... That, that would totally be <laughs> one of those things that is not nobody wants to hear about, but that's the truth, right? That you're looking at things like that. <laughs> that's right. So I, I put like $500 in the app and I say, okay, if I just want to order $500 worth of this stuff, then I put it in the app and then it tells me, oh, that's going to actually cost you $735. <laughs> and that, and then I wake up the next morning and it's like, oh, sorry, did we say 700 We mean, you know, 800 and it's like, oh my god! And you're watching the dollar go up and down, and you got to try and buy in that window because if yeah. you don't, then your products become more expensive, and then people don't want to buy them. And maybe there's another business that bought a product when the dollar Sounds was at right. a better price. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, you kind of can't match that. And because we really here at Bonsai, and we really want to buy from American Bonsai because they look like they have some really great gear. Uh-huh. And um but it's just so difficult with the the prices and then the some of the supplies that we do have here in Australia the prices on the tools are actually getting ridiculously expensive to the point oh. where I just went to do a tool order and I had to cancel it because I was like nobody's going to pay that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the prices when you have the price increase well that's hard when you have the fluctuating exchange rates and you have to you have to watch those and you're never sure exactly how much something is going to cost. That's that's difficult. Basically, anything that's not predictable makes the business difficult. And that's it because, as, as you know, we were just talking about this is the kind of stuff that people don't really ever see as yeah. a, as a as a consumer. So as a consumer, you're just, you know, sitting back and watching the website and suddenly prices are going up. And then, <laughs> you know, to that consumer, they're like, oh, these people are just getting greedy. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you don't realize that I used to make, you know, 5 or $10 on a tub of cut paste and now I'm making $3 on it because yeah. I had to pay a lot more for it. And, you know. <laughs> plus, the cost, plus the cost of shipping. Um, yeah and all that and that all cuts that all eats into the margin it's true you know and you know 
luckily, you know, for consumers, uh, they don't have to worry about all that. But, you know, as a business, we, we definitely have to take those things into consideration. Yeah, because at the moment, I'd hate to be a consumer. Even things like wire, um, you know, I'm lucky enough that we get, you know, wire in bulk here. And any time that I'm working on my personal collection and I need wire, I just go and take it off the shelves. It's easy. Right. But I can't imagine what it's like for a consumer to have to, you know, because when I'm working on a tree, you know, I can easily just go through every every size wire because I've got yeah. it all. Yeah. You know, I've got it all available to me. But if you were somebody who couldn't afford, you know, 10 rolls of wire because you've got, you know, 10 different gauges. Yeah, that gets expensive uh, fast, 10 rolls of wire. <laughs> oh, every yeah. Every size, Yeah. And it depends. It depends on like what size packs you're buying. If you're only buying hundred gram packs, then yeah. it, it doesn't last long. Especially once you start getting up into like six, seven, or eight mil wire. Yeah, a hundred grams isn't a lot it's when the wire is that thick. Yeah, and a few, and a few branches. <laughs> you know, you you're only wiring up like one or two trunks, and then that's gone. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that's that's probably the challenge that the the consumers face out there, and I always because <clears throat> I, I get a lot of customers that email me and say, "Oh, what do you think? You know, the best tools that I should get are, or you know, if I buy this, should I buy this and this and this?" And I always say, "Look, if you're starting out, get yourself a good set of shears, yeah, and then start building your wire collection." <laughs> that's a yeah, that's good. That's good. If you're planning on doing a lot of wire, yeah. A lot of people end up <clears throat> buying some wire that's unnecessary. I think like the 1.0s, those always sell well, but I'm like, oh, you know, you don't always get have to use those. They don't always accomplish what you need. But yeah, definitely yeah. wire is essential once you start getting into the more artistic styles of bonsai. Yeah, because I think what a lot of people do is they might buy, you know, say a 4 mil roll of wire or something, and that may be good for one of the branches on their tree, but then they'll get like a smaller secondary branch or a tertiary or something. And that's the only wire they got. And like, <laughs> well, let me see if I can do this. And they start wiring it and then snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <no>, true. <laughs> and she, you know, it's all because they just didn't have that, you know, right size wire on hand. And, you know, they really wanted to get the tree done and see what it would look like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's one of the, that's a lot of what this podcast is about is trying to really push a lot of that information out there to people who are starting off and try and let them know about the mistakes that, you know, I made starting off and that other people made that way they can kind of avoid those things because I'm guilty of, you know, using the wrong size wire on a tree just because I was impatient. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's kind of like when I was doing those those videos. Um, as I was learning, I'd keep mental notes of like, oh, okay, like you know, kind of light, uh, kind of light bulb moments. Um, as a beginner, you know, when I was starting, I was like, oh yeah, that's why that's you know, that's that's a good question. That's a that's important. So then when I do the videos, I'm like, I try to remember those moments and I make sure to talk about them because sometimes those moments are the ones that people want. They always have questions about, but they they never ask. And, um, but they're really important, you know, some, sometimes it has to do with like what you're talking about, wire, uh, just the sizes, basic stuff like that. And then as you're learning, you know, if you're, you know, when I was learning from the artist locally over here, um, his name was David Nui. Uh, I was working on trees almost every day, uh, big trees just wiring all day. And I was like, oh, okay. So you kind of pick up on these things that, uh, you make mistakes on. And then, um, you know, when I did the videos, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, call that out and i think those things are helpful for uh new people to the hobby yeah. because i know when i was first starting out i still remember this to this day i made a mistake on wiring and it was such an obvious mistake but at the time i didn't realize it until it was pointed out to me but i had i had a first branch coming off the trunk which forked out into two secondary branches mm-hmm and I'd always heard the rule about, you know, try and wire two branches with one piece of wire. So so I wired the two secondary branches together as a fork. 
that were just sitting there as a fork and that didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and basically, you know, somebody come along and said, well, now you can't actually bend the first part of the branch because there's no wire on it, but you can certainly yeah. bend the end. You know, it's just so. Yeah, that's just that's those a really little things. One, definitely. Um, they're like, oh, okay, I see the, you know, I see the fork right there. I see the two. I got to go with it, right? That's two branches. That that's the equation. And then you do it, and you're like, wait, I kind of can't control the first one. Yeah, yeah, those are important, <laughs> but they're overlooked because yeah. sometimes when you just read about it, you're like, okay, uh, two wires, one branch. I mean, uh, two two branches, one wire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the moment, we're really trying to push development, um, trying trying to get a lot more people out there to take the time to develop their trees before they actually put them into a bonsai pot. Because you see a lot of immature trees in bonsai pots, and then yeah. and then the person will ask you, well, why doesn't my tree look like the one in the Coca for 10? And it's like, <laughs> it's like where do I start? <laughs> yeah, that's probably, <clears throat> you know, the the hardest thing is that, you know, people want to see it in a pot, you know, because it's uh, bonsai until it's in a pot, you know, kind of that's that's what kind of is the frame of the picture. Um, you know, it's the tree in a pot. But uh, a lot of people, they, they're not always, you know, they're confused. It's like, oh, why don't my trees look like that? And some of it has to do with just basically the quality of the material. And that's probably one of the hardest things in bonsai is to get that high quality material. I mean, you can grow it as much as you can. Uh, that's what we do sometimes. We try to grow it. But... Man, getting your hands on good material, especially at the the really, you know, those the huge ones, the Yamadori, those ones, that's difficult to do. Yeah, well, you need it. Even when you have a resource for it, it's like, oh, man, you do not always go find that that awesome tree. Yeah, well, Yamadori's, you know, it's a whole nother ball game again. <laughs> you know, the building boxes and aftercare yeah. and, you know, I'm lucky here that... Um, I've got a few properties around the place where I actually have permission from the owners to dig on. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, so, and there's a lot of, um, on these properties, there's a lot of Australian native trees. Oh, cool. That's which, cool. yeah, which is really desirable here in Australia. But even even having that availability and that permission, it's it's just such a challenge because there's so much that goes along with it. You go and dig a tree and then the aftercare is yeah. you know there's a lot of work because you get it into a box and you get it into a good soil medium and then you know you've got to care for it for a year before you would even think about touching the tree yeah. and then you gotta wait for growth and then you see something coming you're like okay i got to survive and now it's like but now i've only got like two branches to work with <laughs> in some cases yeah. and then in, in other cases is you know you've got trees that you're starting to develop but then you just get so busy with everything else that that tree just kind of keeps developing. <laughs> oh, and then, and then you got to repair it sometimes. You got to repair it back. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of overdevelops. It becomes too big. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that... <clears throat> I don't know. I think that it's great with what you're doing with the YouTube channel because <clears throat> it gives people that visual look um, into how to do it rather than just hearing about how to do it. They can actually lay their eyes on it and see how it's done or see how they're supposed to make a cut on a certain, you know, branch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I find, you know, I get a lot of people tell me it's helpful because a lot of times it's just me walk around the nursery and I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's, um, that's something that I notice every day or when I'm working, but you know, not everybody can see that. You know, not everybody has the opportunity to see something like that. Um, so I'm like, ah, maybe I'll do a little short video on it. You know, something as simple as like how something grows. Because I think I think once you kind of learn how the tree grows, I mean, that's, you know, once you can learn how the tree grows, then you can then you can style it however you want. Um, but a lot of people, they're, they're still uncertain of how the tree grows, like how it buds, how the leaves come out, how the foliage comes out, how the branches come out. Yeah, exactly. And it's so satisfying too when you get like an email or a message and somebody goes, ah, oh, you know, I never, never knew how that worked or stuff like that. I, you know, I've had emails from um, artists who have been doing things for years and years and years. Yeah. And um, they've actually, I had a guy the other day that said, oh, I just listened to one of your podcasts and within an hour, 
you had explained what took me 10 years to learn. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, there's oh, some, yeah. some things they kind of get glossed over and, and they really help once it's clarified. But, um, yeah, not, you know, I think it's getting more, you know, more available now, but it, before there was just, it was difficult to get instruction and, and now it's, I see like the quality of everybody's trees or just the techniques have improved so much and it's just, it's, it's accessible and it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. That, that's the great thing about the bonsai media. Um, cause you, you probably found that much like your business, when you started your YouTube channel, it probably grew exponentially, you know, pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah, it was, it was surprising. <laughs> it was more of like, okay, I, okay, what, what, you know, there's YouTube. Let me see what happens if I post something, you know, and the first video I did is just a disaster, but I keep it up there because it's still, it kind of, kind of grounds me, <laughs> but it's like, okay, I've got the, my horrible video. And then after that, I started getting better and I was like, started getting feedback. And then, um, just like with your customers in your store, it's the same thing. You get feedback, um, on your, on your videos and you're like, Oh, okay. People actually see some value in it. Um, so you keep doing it and then they get, I mean, it's not like I have a ton of people, uh, following, but it's, if I'm helping, you know, just a few people here and there, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's very valuable because as you said, back in the day, if you wanted to learn anything about bonsai, you had to, you had to try and find a book or maybe somebody who had a bit more experience and that's not quite as easy as just bringing up YouTube and ter- uh, like searching in the, in the search bar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can basically yeah. type I anything think, uh, in I these days. I how many things I've learned from YouTube. I've learned a lot. <laughs> Oh, I think I, to- I got suggested like how to squeegee your window <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I know how to squeegee my window. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the YouTube rabbit holes. Just random stuff. <laughs> you, know, you might start watching a bonsai video and a couple of hours later you're like learning how to repair a transmission in a car and you're like, wait, how did I get here? Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic resource. YouTube's like one of those things where you wake up after a big bender and you're like, man, where am I? <laughs> How did I get here? What happened last night? <laughs> no kidding. It's like, why is this all my recommended? Where did I go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that one of the, one of the things I worry about with my YouTube is <clears throat> I get to a point where my suggested stuff on my homepage is like really good. And anytime I open YouTube, I don't really have to search anything. I just watch the videos that are suggested to me. Right. But, but then after, but then after I go on like one of those big YouTube benders, like it messes up my feed. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 that was just a one-time thing. I was experimenting. Please don't show me that anymore. <laughs> yeah, if you like click on the the random thing, you're like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of random things on YouTube. <laughs> it's like. You watch like one makeup tutorial because it was like really cool skull makeup or something, and then next minute your whole feed's full of makeup tutorials. Like this doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Oh, those those tutorials, man. Those people get a lot of subscribers. That's incredible. It's like that's yeah, the industry in its own, a huge YouTube industry just there. <laughs> it, it's crazy that um, things like the the makeup industry. It's so flooded, but yet it's still everybody does really well in it. It seems to be still has like two million, two million subscribers. It's amazing. Yeah, right. Because um, you know, when I was talking to my partner about the differences in you know the computer business that I had and now the bonsai business, you know, I was saying to her that um, you know, with the computer business, it's one of those things where there's a computer or maybe two in every household. And it's just, it's an absolutely huge market and they all need repairing. And Yeah. But the, the problem with that industry is that there's also a lot of business, there's a lot of computer businesses out there. There's a computer repair shop on every corner and there's, you know, retailers everywhere, big box retailers that are selling computer parts and accessories and, yeah. Even some of them sell services. Um, and then, so you've got maybe, you know, if you're just to round it out to an easy number, say the market was a million people, even though I know it's probably like a billion people, but 
if you were to say there was a million people in that market, there's also like 900,000 businesses, you know, covering those million people. Where with Bonsai, there might only be, in comparison, you know, a thousand people, but there's only like two businesses. Yeah. So, you know, between those two businesses, you're getting a lot more of the, the customer base. More of that market share. Yeah, exactly. And that's what surprises me about things like, you know, the makeup space on YouTube that everybody just seems to be doing well, you know? <laughs> I guess it's like, again, you because know, they, you know, on YouTube, they, they're like, okay, I like this person, but I also like this person. I like to see a different style. So they just follow everybody, you know? Well, I think it's kind of the the same thing I think is happening with bonsai, with the yeah. bonsai channels, because there's, there's quite a few bonsai channels starting to pop up and, um, some of them have a bit better value than others, but even the smaller ones, I know there's a guy on YouTube and none of his videos have any talking content in them and there's no production value to it at all. And it's just oh, really? all about doing um, like cuttings, like shampaku cuttings and things like that. Oh, really? And he just, the whole video is just him like washing cuttings and putting them in like, cut up milk containers yeah and then he goes and gets ones that he maybe had done three months prior and pulls them out and it's like here's ones i prepared earlier and shows you the roots and stuff like that but he doesn't talk at all no he doesn't talk at all oh that's pretty cool and some of these videos can go for about 20 minutes and i sit there and watch the whole thing (laughs) yeah and i was like man how did he manage to keep my attention for 20 minutes just doing nothing. Yeah. You know, I feel like a kid sitting there watching a, you know, kids TV show. <laughs> you know, you watch your young ones watching TV and you think, man, how are you interested in this? Like, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, the different, there's different styles of doing the videos. And I, I think that's, that's one thing that kind of gets people to follow different ones is that every, every video or every, um every uh, creator just has a different style and that, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. watch that too. <laughs> well that's it and i think one of the cool things is like you've got um videos from people such as yourself and heron's bonsai and things like bonsai marai some of these you know bigger gardens um it's really cool to see bonsai on a larger scale operation like that but then it's also some of the smaller people out there who have youtube channels that are just people with you know a phone camera at their house yeah. I think there's a lot of value in that for people too because they can see that, you know, this is how bonsai is on a consumer level. Yeah. And it kind of shows them, it shows them that step before the next level. Yeah. Rather than somebody just buying, you know, some tube stock and then thinking that, you know, in a year or two they're going to have a tree that's, you know, going to be in an exhibition or something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they, they yeah, that middle level that. that that's a hard level to to and and definitely that's the that's the place a lot of people want to go, um, and so it's good to it's good to see that there's lots of channels out there that go over that because uh, that's a hard one because it's a you know it differs depending on species of trees and everything, and yeah it's it, yeah everybody has that beginner level and then you get that intermediate and then you kind of and then you go full advanced and everything kind of changes. <laughs> yeah, and it's that. I think it's that middle level that really tries people's patience. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> if you if you can get past that middle level, then you have made it. <laughs> yeah, because then after that, it's like, okay, then it comes down to, okay, let me hunt some good material. Because I, no, I know the patience game at this point. Um, yeah, it's that yeah, middle I, level. But that's the, that's the point where you cross into the nicer trees, though. Yeah. Yeah, but because some, I there's think... A lot of, there's a lot of people that still are... That, you know they're not as interested in that level still, so it's kind of like they they're content with kind of um, staying on the uh, the easier care side. So it's 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 interesting that there's you know everybody has a different um, goal when they're doing bonsai as well. Yeah, because I think it's you get that crossover stage where when you're first starting out, you really want a nice tree, but it takes you a few years to get to that nice tree. And then once you have that nice tree, you can continue to care for that while you're also bringing up other trees. Yeah. So, But before you had that nice tree, you've only got the smaller trees. And I think to a lot of people, it's a little bit 
you know, I don't know. They get a little bit discouraged, I think. <laughs> Sometimes they get just, yeah, I feel like the, the smaller trees is the, the main, the main goal in that is to learn how to keep it alive. That's, that's the, the first, the first step. And, you know, some people, they, they have some difficulty with it. I think they overthink it. Um, but that's, that's that first threshold that, um, I think most people start off with. And then once they get, get past that, they start getting the confidence to start doing some other stuff. Yeah. Well here, when we, when we have people come here and they're buying their first tree, we try and kind of get them a tree that's in a bonsai pot and it's kind of at that nicer style, but it's still affordable for them. Um, and that kind of sets them down the road of, okay, you can take care of this tree with not a lot of work and then you can come back and grab some nursery stock and you can begin things like wiring and pruning and stuff on that. And while you're doing that, you're always going to have that nicer tree there. So you're not going to be tempted to take this other tree that you've got and just rip it out of a nursery container and put it in a bonsai pot and, you know, because you've already got that one tree there that's, you know, doing that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you touched on something that's like affordability. That's obviously a big one um, when you're starting out, but it's definitely still that I think a lot of people don't understand or there's still that they can't, you know, you said that, how, how do I get a tree like the cocoa for 10 trees, right? It's like the, they don't understand that the gap in the middle. And, and so some people are like, uh, how come this tree is so expensive? They don't know how much work actually went into it. And I think that's changing now. Um, people are starting to understand what it takes to, to create something like that. But um, sometimes uh, we, we have customers that come in and they're not exactly sure why there's such a gap there. Um, so to keep things affordable, sometimes you have to make sacrifices. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, like you said, with the more expensive trees, you know, people can't wrap their head around the price. But I spoke with Ryan about this a couple of weeks ago that we didn't want to actually calculate the actual value of that tree because if you were to calculate the actual value of that tree, it would be phenomenal. Like, yeah. even if you were to do the calculation of, okay, at the price that it's at and the hours of work that's gone into it, yeah. how much did I earn for every one of those hours? And it's something like 10 cents an hour. Yeah, you you just can't break down the hourly like that, it, and, and it makes you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like you do the other thing where you're like, okay, well, let's just say I put my actual hourly rate on this tree and calculate that. What's the tree worth? Oh, my God, six figures. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you, you just have to be like, okay, let's just let's count that as just enjoyment time, <laughs> you know, like yeah. doing something I enjoy. <laughs> Pretty much. But we're, we're kind of lucky here because... Um, a lot of the, a lot of the trees we get, the stock is actually grown by another company. Mm. So we, we buy the trees from them and they're already at like a fantastic stage. Oh, nice. And then we've just got to do like a little bit of refinement on them or, um, you know, some of the stock we'll get, we'll actually keep here for a while and keep working it because some trees you just look at and you're like, man, I can't, I've got to keep that tree going because it's got so much potential. I can't just, you know, do work on that now. Yeah. You still got, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you get the same thing, but even though you're trying to run a business, you've still got that side of you where you're like, I can't do this to that tree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that rabbit hole. You're like, oh, this tree has potential. Let me set it aside. Let me get this trunk thicker. Next thing you know. You're like, you're looking at all this material, you're going, I got it. I've got too much. <laughs> that's, that's one of those things where you've got to, you got to force yourself at some point. You'd be like, okay, this has a lot of potential, but maybe let me keep this to a certain percentage. Uh, otherwise I'll get out of hand. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely one of the things with having a bonsai nursery that is kind of tricky. It's like, cause you, you see it, you know, and once you, once you have the eye for it and you learn it, you're like, Oh, that can be so nice. But then you're like, I got to work on that for this many years. So you gotta, you gotta kind of make a choice of, okay, should I sell that as material? Should I just keep it for myself? Should I make this into a, you know, a final tree, you know, a show tree? Uh, those, those are kind of difficult decisions sometimes. <laughs> oh, they're very difficult decisions. 
Yeah, one of those things we we, we battle with every day. <laughs> and and then the the other battle is too um, when you do make a really nice tree for sale, and you're like, do I really want to sell this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's a hard one. That one's a hard one. I I think I've gotten to, I've gotten to the point finding a lawyer. I'm like, okay. I can sell it. I'll sell it. Even though I love this tree. Maybe I have one tree I think that I won't sell. That was the first one I did. Um, but the other is I'm like, okay, I, I, I can make another one. Um, if I keep doing this, then I'm just going to end up with a collection that's going to be unmanageable. <laughs> uh, I've had I've had a few customers that have actually come here and that they look around and, you know, I've got my personal trees on display. And, and then yeah. they'll look at that section and they're like, I really want this tree. And and then they'll stand there for like half an hour telling you about how much they really want that tree, and then the next minute it's getting packed into their car, and it's like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, then you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always like that. I have, uh, we have all these trees tagged that are like that say NFS, not for sale, right? And yeah, everybody wants those trees, and then you end up going, oh gosh, okay, you have to kind of let go sometimes. <laughs> It's like that all the time. I don't know. It's just that's the section they get drawn to. Yeah, and they should that's, be right because those are the supposed. Those are the nice trees. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Maybe, maybe I should just start putting, you know, NFS tags on everything. <laughs> that the whole garden's just not for sale. Yeah, it's, it started getting like that because I have a, I have some some staff and they have their own trees as well that they love. So I was like, okay, guys, <laughs> all our trees can't have tags on them. And I had to be like, okay, let's let's reduce this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, we've just done an hour, so I think that's um that's pretty good for this podcast. You've probably got a uh, busy day ahead of you now doing everything we just spoke about. <laughs> Today I'm taking the family out, so it'll be a good day. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's good then. They're always good days. Yeah. I, I'm uh, going back to... Because actually I had a sleep before we did this and then got up to do this. Now I'll go back to bed and then get up and have to drive like an hour and a half to a bonsai workshop. <laughs> oh, man. Go, go and do that for the day and then I've got to get you know, another, um, another load of stock trees. Uh, that's, yep. That's, uh, that's the life of a bonsai shop owner right there. <laughs> <laughs> and just, it never ends. No, nope, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, thanks so much for your time. Um, oh, you're welcome. but for the listeners out there that haven't discovered eastern leaf yet where can they find you on all your socials so like instagram facebook uh youtube anything else you might have maybe your website uh, our website is www.easternleaf.com and then um, our youtube channel is just youtube.com slash eastern leaf um, and then all our handles on all our social media is just at eastern leaf and you you've got things for sale on your website like trees and tools and everything like that yeah, if you're located in the United States, um, then we can ship the trees. Um, we, everything is mostly shipped domestically for us, um, just due to agricultural reasons. But if you're in the United States, uh, feel free to visit us. And what about your tools and stuff? Uh, do you send international, or is that just America? Those ones are still just domestic, uh, America, United States. Um, so right now we don't ship international. But um, but I hear you can get your tools from Bonsai in Australia, in Australia right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it was it was fantastic talking to you. Um, when we started the podcast, you were definitely one of the first ones on our list to talk to. So, thanks, 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 Josh. No problems. All right. So I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>